build a world-class brand from our tropical shores is a dream that many a Filipino entrepreneur has. With acclaimed local accessories brand Aranaz, Amina Aranaz Alunan has done just that. The designer and co-founder of Sofa Design Institute has, together with her family, built a global fashion brand from the foundation of her mother's import-export business. But how did she do it? What was the journey like? Amina shares with us the ins and outs and ups and downs of championing local worldwide. My name is Leah Cruz. On this episode of What Glass Ceiling, we talk to Amina Aranaz Alunan. Hi, Amina. Welcome to What Glass Ceiling. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Leah. Good morning. It's nice to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you about everything that that you've built with Aranaz. Maybe we can start off by with you telling us about Aranaz the brand. Tell us about its philosophy, how it started, and what it stands for. Okay, so Aranaz is it's really a family business. It started because it was an offshoot from my mom's export and manufacturing business, and it was. At that time, you know, my mom's export and manufacturing business was really creating bags for other brands, for mostly other American designer brands. And growing up, you know, I was, that was my exposure. I would always be in the factory and I would see um, all the bags that were being made, which, were, which had a, a foreign label on it. And then we also would also see, um, you know, let's say I remember every month we would buy a copy of Vogue US or InStyle magazine, Harper's Bazaar US. And every month we would see a bag that my mom made for another foreign label and it was featured in the magazine. And of course, that at that time also, um, wearing Filipino brands was not very big in the local market. It was not, everyone was still, this was in the 90s. And so it was, you know, everyone was still more exposed to imported labels. That was what was seen as the cool thing to wear. And so that's when I parents started to question that, you know, I was started to think that, you know, all these foreign brands um, are, are, are using made in the Philippines items, but the Filipinos themselves could not use it, could not really avail of it because they didn't, it wasn't available in the Philippines and they didn't even know it was made in the Philippines. So that's also what sort of inspired us to create the Arenas brand. Initially, it was really meant to, to inspire Filipino women to wear local, to wear made in the Philippines. And in a way, it was also to sort of challenge the norm back then, which was a straw bag was something that the norm back then was a straw bag, a straw made in the Philippines bag, which a lot of them would even refer to as native bags, was something you would only see in like, um, you know, Balik Bayan shops or you know, like, you know, resort shops, but it wasn't, it didn't bridge yet into, I could say, I would say into contemporary fashion. So that was the challenge. We really wanted to bring these straw bags into everyday wear for the Filipina. 
And so, yeah, so that's what started it. And of course, when we started it, we also really wanted, I mean, the big dream was to bring the Ironels brand to the global market. You know, a Filipino brand this time who is being sold internationally, but it is made in the Philippines and known to be Filipino. Okay, now maybe you can tell us a little about yourself because you also have a background that's rich in, in design and I know you were an editor before also mm-hmm. and you you studied abroad. So how did you bring your background, the specifics of your background into the family business that at that time was import-export? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess my, my I started, I've always been interested in the fashion industry. In fact, from a very young age, I couldn't see myself working in any other industry. Um, I was always, I loved creativity. I loved style and fashion. And so my first job out of college was I worked in a fashion magazine. Well, I, uh, not, not just fashion, actually. It was a teen magazine. It was Chalk Magazine of ABS-CBN Publishing. And that was my first immersion into, I guess, the the backside of fashion. Because um, prior to that, I was prob- I got my exposure to fashion, of course, through my mom's business, but also I was also modeling. So it was more on the, um, more on the front end. And then th- with my work in chalk, I was able to understand and learn about like, the behind the scenes side of fashion. And that really also excited me. In fact, it was such a it was such a wonderful, enriching experience, you know, to even understand how, yeah, I guess, the storytelling in fashion. Um, storytelling and design is something also that's very important to me. It's something that I've, that, I've, that I've always valued. And when I look back, even from, I guess, part of my training in, in the magazine world was, was that exposure to storytelling, which... When I went after that, I, I left for Italy to study in Tutu Marangoni. I took a master's in accessories design. And the whole thrust of storytelling also in design, actually, I discovered it as well in, in Marangoni. So how I, I see the consistency, you know, from, I guess, from everything I did and up to, up to today. And I also have a school. And again, I see... One of the strong things we do at SOFA is really the storytelling, you know, like how how do you inject your own personal stories in into your design work? So you have this, you have a background in fashion and, and you have a master's in, in design from Italy. When you came in to start working with the family brand, what was it that you set out to do or what were there specific goals that you set and and how did you how did you mix it up or change things to get to them well of course one primary goal was how to bring the arenas brand to the global market um i that was always the big dream um and another one was also um how to establish of course that's one that was the far dream but the more immediate was how to really establish the brand in the Philippines as, uh, I, I guess, in terms of elevating, elevating Filipino brands. Um, I really wanted to, to, to really show that you can wear local, you can wear 
natural materials. You can wear handmade pieces. And it still looks chic, stylish, and special. And so that was, you know, it was about um, trying to reintroduce, I guess, a new style to the Filipina at that time. In fact, I recall how in our early days, um, it was people, women would walk into the store and ask if we were a foreign brand. They, some didn't know that we were Filipino. And, and of course, when we would tell them that it's, it's Filipino, they would be pleasantly surprised. So one of the things I also really wanted to do was to um, elevate the standard of, of Filipino fashion brands and, and try to, to see how far I could take the brand. You know, like I was wondering, is this a trend? Is this going to be a fleeting, a fleeting um, brand? But of course, I didn't want it to be. I wanted it something that had staying power. And so that was a, another goal. Um, another goal also was to really define what Arana stood for. Because, of course, like every designer, every creative, um, it is a, a journey of self-discovery. And of course, when we started the Aranas brand, we, it was a family that started with me, my mom, my brother, my sister. Um, we were in college. <laughs> my sister was in high school or even grade school. So we, there was, I guess, it, it was a very mom and pop operation. And we, we operated really very, which we still do, very entrepreneur, um, you know, very entrepreneurial values and tactics. But I also wanted to find a way to somehow sort of really, in a way, professionalize. And um, we still have a long way to go. But, you know, I also wanted to find a way to really also um, drill down on, I guess, the sofa, uh, the Aranas, um, I guess the the brand purpose, you know, the Aranas, what Aranas stands for. What was it like working with family dynamics? I mean, I know your mom has a strong personality, and and when you get into a room and and all of you were there, you, your sister, your mom, especially, and and even your brother. I mean, what was it like mm -hmm. working with that and building something from a mom and pop operation into something sort of on a global scale? Well, of course, initially, um, my mom was the main, I would say, captain of the ship. <laughs> um, she was the main, you know, that let's do this, let's do this. Because we, we, we started in the bazaars, right? So my mom was more like, we'll join this bazaar. This is what we're going to, you know, sort of telling us, you know, what to do. Um, but it has evolved um, slowly. It slowly has evolved. Um, I consider her really as, a mentor because you know she showed us the ropes and she led the way um when i came back from from my studies um of course i came back with new ideas um with a, a lot of excitement and she listened you know she listened um but of course it was also a learning curve for me so i had to respect that learning curve but not just respect but even appreciated that learning curve and 
right now the the arenas brand itself is mostly handled by me and my sister I have to ask, studying abroad and earning your master's degree and, and even taking a course in fashion, did it help? Did it, did, it, did it help gain you credibility in the fashion world or even in the way that you did things? Because not, I mean, the people who, like, say, go, go to college and, and, and say, I, I want to get into fashion. I mean, apart from SOFA, there aren't that many options here in the Philippines and, and to, to really want to make it on a global stage. I mean, it really helps to have an advantage that you go to a school in Europe or and, and you're exposed to those people over there. What kind of an advantage did it give you? And would you recommend it for others who would like to venture yeah. into the fashion industry? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would recommend it. You know, for me, it was an eye-opening experience because um, I saw how how fashion operated really in a high level large in large scale industry in a fashion capital um you know to be exposed to that really show really shows you in a way um how the philippine fashion industry is still in such an infancy stage and it really it it showed me the, a different level of a fashion company, you know, based on how, how designers, you know, how designers manage. So one of the, my main takeaways, which really helped push me also in, a, in my brand and which I also share a lot with my colleagues in the fashion industry. I'm also part of several fashion um, associations in the Philippines, apart from the school, is one of the things I really saw is how designers, especially in the European American fashion capitals, how they managed to transform their names into brands. You know, there's a difference of your name being a practitioner, but transforming it into a fashion brand, into a fashion company. So that was something that really inspired me. In fact, one of the things that, I mean, my exposure in Milan was also one of the things that inspired me to start SOFA because I really felt that we had a lot of catching up to do as, as an industry. The Philippines has a lot of catching up to do. And I recall one of my um, biggest dreams when I finished my, my studies was how to make Manila a fashion capital. You know, like I wanted Manila to be recognized as a fashion capital as well. And, and so, yeah, I, it's definitely, for me, it was one of the most enriching experiences of my life. Um, not just being in school, but also living in a fashion capital. You know, that just to, just to you know, especially during fashion week, when you see how bustling it is, how there's a fashion show in in every corner, there are models, you know, every day, you know, there are, mo there, there are models with just the way they look, the way they walk, you know, so it was really um, very, very inspiring. It's interesting, I guess, to see things from, 
from the from the inside of a fashion capital because for those who aren't that involved with fashion or those who aren't that interested in it when you look at fashion you think oh it's just a frivolous thing or or it's or it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's an extra that I don't really have to deal with every day. But when you look at fashion as an industry from a fashion capital, then I guess your perception of the entire industry or of the entire the entire thing, the entire topic changes as well. And yeah. you begin yeah. to think of fashion as part of culture. Exactly. And one of the things also I realized is that there are so many career paths in fashion. Because here in the Philippines back then, it was only like, you open a dress shop and then you make gowns for weddings. Like that was, that was the, the understanding back then. But being there, I saw the different professions in, in a fashion house. You know, there's the business side of fashion. There's the media side. And of course, the, there's the design and there's the technical. So you really see that it's such a wide scale industry. Let's talk about Aranaz being a, a brand that that really promotes loving local and loving our own, but with keeping your eyes and your sights set beyond our shores because you want to bring what we have here to an international or a global level. How do you elevate our local designs, our, our humble native bags, quote unquote, our, our, our local materials? How do you elevate local designs to a global level? But at the same time as what you wanted to do, you don't alienate the local market. So you, it's like, I guess there's some sort of interplay there, that, that some line that you have to tread to make it palatable for both the local and the global market. How do you walk that line? Yeah. Well, for us, of course, one thing is it really is about um, knowing your materials. You know, um, really, it's about know it, knowing materials, constantly researching for new materials, and also um, looking for ways to innovate with those materials. And then it's also mixing. You know, it's the, the proper mix of the materials and even when creating the designs, um, we're very conscious in using, um, I guess, inspirational hints that will serve both markets, both the Filipina and the global market. So um, if you notice, many of our collections are not, we're not, we're not, lit- not so literal in terms of saying this is Filipino, um, you know, we don't do so much uh, like, um, obviously, we, we don't do a Filipino flag. But of course, of course, of course, there are also um, things, there are also guidelines, right? When using Filipino flag beyond yeah. a flag, right? But so we're, we're conscious of that, um, that, you know, let's say we were to use, um, let's say, oh, like an example was we, when we launched our Deluho bags, which were these evening bags made out of coconuts. This was way back in 2012. So, you know, the buko, the coconut bag is something that was very, I guess it's it's very ethnic, right? It's very humble when you when you just see the bao on its own. But we elevated it by trimming it with um, gold, gold trim. Um, 24, um, 18 karat gold plated trim to make it a more luxurious evening bag. And so with that, it would, 
um, it would ideally, hopefully our goal was that that would allow both a Filipino who finds the bao very familiar, but then elevated and somebody else outside the Philippines, you know, they basically, they saw it as a, as a circle, a spherical evening bag. And when we tell them that it was made of, of coconut, that's when they were like, oh, so that's the pleasant surprise after. Do you ever get reactions from, from the local crowd who sort of look down their noses at, at using these humble materials, these materials that are indigenous to our, to our islands? Do, do they look down their noses at, at, the, at the use of them? You don't know. I have, well, it's never been said to my face, I think, but, but no, what, what, what I know is we always get people who are surprised at, you know, that they find out, oh, this is made pala of, let's say, the banig. Like, you know, when we, when we just started back in 1998 or 97, one of our first bags, it was a banig bag. Like, that's what, it was a tote bag made out of banig, and we... See, like the way also we sort of, I guess, stylized it was we um, dyed it in a in a rich brown color and it was varnished. So it was finished a bit more polished. And people were like, oh, my gosh, it's made out of banig. You know, like, you know, it was it was a pleasant surprise. What have what have the biggest challenges been in building such a global brand because you've you've actually you've actually done what you set out to do. You've made Ananas into a global name, and then you're you're in the pages of all of these international magazines, but with your brand on it, not under another brand, which you mentioned at, at the beginning of this interview. What have the biggest challenges been so far on this journey? I would say obviously the pandemic <laughs> has been a challenge <laughs> because while while there were um, that while there was still some business, both locally and I guess every industry obviously um, encountered that challenge. But right now, we're really also at the stage where we're trying to rebuild our international market because um, so, parang in a way, everything we've worked for the past couple of years in terms of building the international market has somehow changed. I, I wouldn't say that it's down the drain because we still have we still have um, some some markets, but it's right now it's really trying to rebuild again because that particular aspect has really has really changed. How about um, challenges with the local market? Do you get do you get reactions from people, from customers who balk at the prices or have this mindset of local materials lang yan, basket lang yan. Do, do you get those reactions too? Um, we do get reactions, um, of course, in certain markets. So, but, but we don't see it as a challenge or an obstacle because we're very, I guess, we're also very clear on who our target market is. And... I would say that our target market understands it and they appreciate it. And those that do not are probably not really our target market. What are you most proud of in, in promoting 
Philippine culture? What is is there a particular instance or event or product that that you that you really hold dear to your heart? I guess one of the especially when we when we really went out to bring the local the brand to the global market. It was an exciting time. Eh? Like that was about it happened I guess in a period of around three to four years. That the whole journey of trying to introduce the brand globally. And one of the pivotal things that really excited us was um, was that the queen, two queens, um, European queens, um, you know, wore our pieces. Um, the queen of Belgium and the queen of Netherlands. And they, through one of our, our agents, um, they were able to sell our clutches. These were like our evening bags to them. So for us, that was really an affirmation that, what we are making that, you know, that Filipino made products can be of high value, of special value, and can be appreciated even by royalty. So that was very reassuring for us. Um, another thing was also, I guess, especially the global market is, you know, we created a wish list. My sister Rosanna and I, we created a wish list of where we wanted to see Aranas sold in, in terms of the, the, the department stores and the stores around the world in, you know, in Paris, in UK, in Spain, in the US, in Japan. We created that wish list and somehow we managed to really check each and every store, uh, you know, and for us, that also, the fact that these stores um, appreciated what we created, you know, it is reassurance. And, you know, and to even put us alongside brands that we once really just, or we still do, brands that we admire, you know, to be in the same shelf or the same, you know, display area as these other international brands is really, really something that for us is such an achievement in our books. For a lot of small brands or, or people who are starting out, they, you know, making it on, in the global market is really, it's one of, you know, goals that are up there, right? I mean, everyone, it's on everyone's wish list. How, what, how would you advise them? Like, what would you tell them? What are the biggest lessons that you've learned in your own journey that you would tell them to keep in mind at all times? If, if they want to, you know, make a mark similar to what you've done? You know, to be honest, I really, as, I guess I always operate um, from the heart, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm, as, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm also, I, I'm always led really by, by my heart <laughs> and, and, uh, and faith and trust. And I really feel that, um, you know, everything we did, I literally just sort of um, put it out there. I mean, I always believe in, in, in dreaming and and in believing, I, I really believe also in the whole spiritual side of of um, creating your goals and your dreams. And I really believe that that is really what allowed us to achieve 
some level of success within our, you know, in, with regards to our dream. And so that is one, you know, I really believe that you have to, you have to really visualize, you know, the whole idea of, of visualizing exactly what you want and working towards it um, has to, you have to have, you have to do it. I mean, so fine, there's that one thing, having that concrete dream, but another thing, it's really the perseverance. It's the perseverance, you know, on the practical side, it's the drive and the perseverance to persist and to really just move forward. You know, there were, there were many, like I said, it was like a three, four year journey. And, you know, the, our first few attempts were, were a failure, you know, in terms of trying to even get one stockist, one international stockist was a failure. And I guess it's really just moving forward, you know, um, just really pushing as far as you can. Um, and also, I mean, of course, you have to be also mindful of, I guess, you know, the, your overhead, you know, like, where is it? Because, of course, it, there are expenses that will that it will require. So it's really also about how much, I guess, how much you can, you can take or you can invest. Um, with us also, you know, what really helped is, you know, we also were somehow supported by, um, by Saitem, you know. So it's also finding that support group. Yeah. Um, so apart from the... Apart from CITEM, a government agency that pushes Filipino exports, um, it's also fine. I guess I'd also say, you know, they always say, like, find your tribe. And so I have, like, um, friends in the industry that we even, we even refer to each other as classmates because somehow we would, you know, we'd compare notes. We try to see how we can help each other out as we venture into going into the global market. Um, and obviously at the end of the day, it really also is about, um, you know, your products. You have to continue innovating, um, design. You have to design. You have to keep designing. You know, you cannot, I mean, especially because we are in an industry where, um, it's visual, but it's also craft and artisan, you know, you have to, I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be like a fast fashion brand that you have to create, let's say, 10,000 designs every season. But, but, you know, but definitely you have to, you have to produce good work. So that's something you need to focus on um, because you have to see what will make you unique, not just in the Philippine market, but also in the global market. And, and then, of course, comes the entire business aspect of it. You know, I, I really feel it's also about really having um, a clear grasp of your brand, but not just your brand, but in terms of not just your brand in a marketing sense, but even your brand in, in terms of strat strategy, in terms of positioning, in terms of operations, you kind of have to have a clear picture of the entirety of your brand and business so that 
you sort of really know which direction to steer it towards, you know, so that you know what your strengths are, what your capabilities are, and what your weaknesses are as well. Because it's, I mean, I think with with any business, it's so, you know, it can be, it can be so complicated, but also it can also be quite simple. Like, you know, for example, even there are some designers, not just fashion, but particularly in the world of furniture, that they, they just create, let's say, iconic pieces. And they know that that's, that's their business model, is creating iconic pieces and then continue selling it. So it's also that, understanding your business model. Aranaz is already an, an established brand, quite an old brand. You mentioned 40 years? 40 years? You've been, you've been in business for 40 years? As, as a manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. But the, the brand itself, I think we're at about 25, 26 okay. years maybe. But yeah, still old. That's considered old. <laughs> What kind of legacy would you like Aranaz to have as you continue to build it, as you continue to build the brand and in the coming years? It is, of course, number one, you know, promote, still promoting um, made in the Philippines and promoting the handmade. I always say, if, in fact, if you buy one of our pieces, you will you'll see one of our um, info cards inside the bag and it says it's um, it's it's sort of holding the Filipino story or a piece of Filipino culture in your hand, and so that is something that we still, you know, it's really one of our main driving forces. That whether you're in the Philippines or outside the Philippines, you have a, a piece of Filipino culture in your hands because everything we create, you know, it's really we we really use a variety of materials from across the country and it touches so many hands so many filipino hands and so many filipino hearts you know that's you know in our every piece for us has is has a heart and has a hand in it and so that's you know that's that that for us is something we truly value and it's something we continue, we want to continue even as the brand grows. We don't want to let go of that handmade Filipino quality because behind each piece are really, you know, a multitude of people, not just one person, but it goes through so many stages in the production process so that one bag probably went through about 12 hands and 12 hearts and 12 souls, 12 people, 12 livelihoods, you know. So um, that's something that we definitely want to continue. And we really see also in the, I guess, in the, in the wider scale of fashion, um, that's also where, you know, we're really moving towards, you know, more, more meaningful products, more meaningful design. Um, as opposed to, you know, you know, just mass manufacturing. How has this journey, how has building this brand changed you as a person? It definitely has made me see the more human side of goods, of goods in general, not just fashion, but goods in general. Um, the things we surround ourselves with, 
Um, it has made me appreciate the more human side of it. Um, of course, I think of that because that's why I, as a person, I, that's why I really gravitate towards handmade things, not just in fashion, but in everything. And it's also has, of course, ignited a sense of, um, I guess, love for country also. That's one of the, one of the main, I would say values also that my mom would really promote um, among us kids, especially through the brand. We really see also the brand as, as a way of, of giving back and serving the country. Um, my mom would always say, you know, you have to use, you should tell me, you have to use this material because this is, um, you know, this is made by this community and they were calling me that they need work. You know, so can we find a way to help them? So it also has helped me become more socially conscious. Um, and, and, and yeah, so it definitely has, for me, um, the Aranas brand is not just a fashion brand. It's, it's really, it's really a lifestyle. It's also, it's also, um, a set of values and 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 living philosophy. Before I wrap up this entire interview, I have one question. I have one question that I want to ask. There are certain locally made brands that really push or market or promote the, the fact that the, their materials come from communities. See these certain communities. They're they're made by certain hands. But I've noticed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've noticed that Aranas doesn't do that as much. Is that a conscious decision to position yourself? In my opinion, what I see you as a as more of a, a high fashion brand is is that something that mm-hmm. that you really try to promote because of that because of that position you occupy in the global fashion industry. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, yeah, one of the things, the reason we don't really push it is because, you know, when this whole, I guess, consciousness of social enterprise, working with communities, when it started getting popular and it first became a thing, when I saw it, I was like, um, that's kind of what we've been doing <laughs> all these years, you know, like yeah. it's always been, it's, it's been the core of our business, you know, like the core of our manufacturing has always been working with communities. So it was not a new story for us. And, um, and so I also didn't want to use it as, as a main marketing thrust because it's it's been integral to how we operate. You know, it's sort of like a given. That's really how Filipino products are made. And especially if it's Filipino handmade products. And I just saw, and of course, we're not a social enterprise. So that's one thing. Being To become a social enterprise and to even claim that you're a social enterprise is, is very different. You know, it op- a social enterprise operates separately, differently from how we operate. So I'm not going to say we're a social enterprise. Um, secondly, even to say that, you know, um, sustainability, you know, is also such a, that's also such a, I guess, tricky word to use because 
to say you're sustainable, you have to be conscious in every, you know, every level yeah. of the production chain, you know. And, you know, it's it's very tricky to say that you are 100% sustainable. It's also difficult because of the fact that we, okay, we work with so many materials, okay, that we, in every collection, we probably work with so many communities. It's kind of going to be such a cluttered story in terms of saying, you know, here, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah. so definitely it's, in a way, it's, it's a bit more conscious, yes, but also, we also don't want to clutter the, the, the story of, of what we do. And definitely what you were saying also in this, in the sense of operating as a high fashion brand. Um, yes, it is conscious that we also don't want to, um, while we are a handmade, um, artisan brand, we also, we also want to position ourselves as a high fashion brand. So we, we definitely don't want to clutter our messaging. Okay, I was also just very curious about that. In the course of our conversation, I mean, it came up about all the communities that you work with. Amina, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Before we let you go, I just need to ask, what are the words that you personally live by? Oh, which I said it earlier, it's really about um, being true to your passion, you know, being true to yourself, um, following your heart is something... I've always lived by as long as you know that your heart is coming or, you know, your passions are coming from a place of goodness, sincerity, and kindness, then I feel there's, there's nothing wrong in following your heart because as long as you know that your intentions are pure, then it can only lead you to success. Thank you so much, Amina, for being on What Glass Ceiling.